Would you grab your copy of God's Word, Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7. Uh, just as you're finding your place in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 24 in just a moment. I want to commend all of you who have already engaged and been reading through the Gospels this first 90 days of the year. There have been some outstanding comments. I mean, I've written four or five sermons just on your comments alone. That's a joke, but they were really good comments. So you guys, the feedback of what God's saying to you, what God's bringing to your attention as you're reading the Word. If you haven't jumped in with us, feel free to jump in. You may need to read a couple of days to kind of catch up, but Matthew 7 was part of what we've read this week. And I'd love for you to stand with me, if you will, for a moment, and let's read God's Word together. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, that word therefore means it connects back to what Jesus has been teaching, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Lord, I just pray in these moments that you do much more in hearts and lives and the hearers of your word than what I could ever do on my own. I believe, Lord, that even as I'm preaching the word today, you can pinpoint and speak to some people, whether online or in person, you're able to, to drive home what needs to be heard in our lives, what needs to be received in our hearts, and I just pray that would be what happens in these moments. I pray we take to heart what you're saying, and Lord, by the help of the Spirit, we would live in a way that truly follows you uh, and grows in you, Lord. Thank you for this EPAG community. I'm grateful that we get to be a part of this journey together. And I pray your hand ever be upon us in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, why don't you turn to your neighbor and give him a really big smile. You know, it's amazing. Both services did the same exact thing, and people laugh. I, I, like, is your smile that funny? Or I have a problem when I smile, because I have baby cheeks that I never lost. And uh, somebody told me this morning I need to lose some weight in my face, but... Uh, I'm kidding. They didn't tell me that. I said that. <laughs> but, but I have this issue because uh, if I smile too big, then I bump the mic, and then you hear it scruffy the whole time I'm preaching. So it really is a problem. I really need to eat less. I hadn't had butter pecan ice cream since the last football playoff game, so tomorrow night will be my night, I guess. So. Hey, there's plenty of access to the Bible, particularly when it comes to living in the United States of America, and that's where we live. You can go online or even into a local bookstore, and you can purchase a copy of the Bible, a tree form or hard copy, if you will, of the Bible. Uh, you, can, you can go online and read the Bible. There's several different websites available and resources available. Now there are apps on our phone. Uh, the YouVersion Bible app, which is probably the most commonly used, uh, has, has blessed millions, I mean literally millions of people around the world in so many different languages, languages I can't even begin to, to speak. Um, you can... You can go in my office, and even in my office, I didn't count them specifically, but I have a whole shelf on, on top shelf 
full of just copies of the Bible, different translations, different study Bibles, different styles, some given like this one I have today that was given to me uh, during my ordination with the Assemblies of God, and I've used it as a preaching Bible for a number of years. You can see I've even taped notes and preached from the Bible this way, and then I can't read what I've got in the Bible underneath it, so then you have to buy another Bible. I mean, it's just a thing, right? I don't. There's something about a new Bible for me, always has been, my wife will tell you, but I have a bunch of them. Bibles today come in all sorts of different translations and paraphrases. There's styles, there's colors, there's intricate details of, of artists and color by the Bible things. And you can find just about anything you want. You can even find a Bible that has space for you to journal what God is saying to you. I have a, a, an ESV New Testament that is the inductive study method, which it means it has space between every line of Scripture. So you can just write all over that thing. The Bible's available. The question is not access for us today. The question is, what do we do with the Bible? What will we do with God's very words to us? Now, I think we all understand soap or a a hard rinse uh, often will work to clean your hands, but you have to use it, right? Uh, I I used to laugh when the pandemic really kicked off, and one of the big things the, the experts were telling us about the pandemic was, was that we really needed to be washing our hands regularly. To which I said, if we haven't already been washing our hands regularly, we have a bigger problem. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's true, though. I've been in places where I've seen people not wash their... Anyway, it's just disgusting. But we know soap will work, but you have to apply it. Glasses will help you see better but you have to put them on. You have to swallow your pride and not be concerned about what you're going to look like if you care about seeing better. They'll work, but you have to put them on. In the immediate context of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus warned his listeners. He was actually issuing a pretty stern warning for the people who would hear what he would have to say. Skip back up a few verses to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus said, Enter the narrow gate... For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, we are given the Great Commission. We're told to reach people for the cause of Christ. We should be actively living out our faith in public so that people can know Jesus. We should be sharing about Jesus with the people around us. All of those things are true. But based on what Jesus teaches here, it seems we should not expect the greater majority of the world to follow Jesus. That there's a, a wide, broad path and a, and a wide road, broad road that leads to destruction and men, many will enter through it. Why would people not respond to Jesus is one of those questions that we as Jesus followers have a hard time processing. We understand Jesus is the answer for the greatest problem in humanity, the sin problem, the the heart that is stained with sin and rebellion towards God and doing things our own way. The heart is the greatest need of humanity, and the heart needs a healer, and the only heart healer is Jesus. So we have a hard time understanding why would someone not take the cure when they know what the cure is? Why? Well, the reality is that following Jesus means denying self. Following Jesus means... Uh, following Him instead of the sinful world, instead of the ways that promote self-focus. 
Yes, the gospel is about freedom and forgiveness. Thank God for forgiveness for our sin. And thank God for the freedom from the power of sin. But that freedom is then to be empowered to live a life dedicated to Jesus in thanks for all he's done. We're not just confessing him as Savior of our lives and asking him to save us. We're confessing him as Lord of our lives, which means we're now living a different way. And he's the king. And we follow the king. Jesus goes on in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23 to say this, pretty stern words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, the day of judgment before the Lord, 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 did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, I don't have time to flesh all of this out today, but Scripture teaches, if you know anything about end-time Bible prophecy, or perhaps you've understood this uh, from other preaching or teaching through the years, but there's evidence in Scripture that the longer we live on this earth and the closer we get to the judgment of the Lord, there are going to be people who rise. We would call them in Scripture false teachers, false prophets. There are going to be people who teach false things that contradict Scripture and may even do it at times in the name of Jesus. Many will come in His name claiming to be of God. Uh, but the reality is that there will be some who are operating in false ways and even we see in Scripture evidence that there will be evil power at work to be able to do counterfeit miracles that have evidence of supernatural activity but is actually evil at work. Now again, that may confuse some of you. The point being in all of that, God's able to bring good through some of those things that the, the truth seeds and the work of the Holy Spirit are still able to happen. The point of these verses for today that I want us to get is it seems to me that there will be some people that are deceived or are deceived in this life and will find out and figure this out and discover it when they stand before God. The indication is that there will be a lot of people who believe they're following Jesus when in fact they're not. The outside looks like they're religious. The outside looks like they're good people. The outside looks like they do all of the things of religious practice that anybody's supposed to do. They're an overall good person. They don't kill anyone. They don't steal from their neighbor. But their hands are busy without their heart being engaged. I mean, we even see God confronting the people of the Old Testament at times, saying things like, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. There's a verse in the New Testament that talks about how people can have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. They know how to live the religious exercises on the outside, but they're lacking an ongoing personal relationship with Jesus and are not really following Him. A personal relationship with Jesus means we're paying attention to His words and we're trying to live by what He's told us. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. So today we're saying we have plenty of access. The question for us when it comes to the Word of God is, are we applying the Word to our lives? Are we reading it and making mental assent and we have some knowledge? Because there are plenty of people in the world, even the enemy himself can quote Scripture. There are plenty of people that know verses of Scripture, and there are plenty of people who say things without even realizing that the root of the thought process came from Scripture. For instance, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The, the, the foundation of that very principle is found in the teachings of Jesus. 
And there are other things that people think are in the Bible that really aren't. Uh, there's a saying that goes around that uh, uh, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good people or righteous people to be silent. Show me that in the Scripture. Now, the, the principles there, as far as we should be talking about Jesus, we should be sharing Jesus, we should be living out our faith publicly, but that specific verse, people often attached to the Bible, but it's not really in there. People can know a lot of connections to the Bible, but the question is, are we living in obedience to the Bible? Do we have knowledge without obedience? James, in his writings, said that we're not just to be hearers of the Word, but we are to be doers of the Word, that if not careful... We can live a life that's around religious things, and we can live a life of knowing some of the Word, but without truly following Jesus and living by His commands. We want to do more than just take it in mentally. The psalmist said, I have hidden your Word in my heart, Psalm 119, that I might not sin against you. Application. Obedience to God is faith in action. We do, we live because we believe in Him. Faith in God is more than just that He exists. Faith in God is I believe who He is and I believe what He said. Therefore, I'm going to live according to His words. Obedience is a matter of heart engagement, not just a human attempt for outward actions. True faith, true belief in God is evidenced by obedience in our lives. What do we do with the Bible? In a world that is actively distorting and discarding the Bible, are we choosing instead to live by it? I said last week there is an ongoing aggressive attempt to distort, to compromise, even to do away with the Bible altogether. There's an ongoing effort to say that we should look at the Bible through the lens of culture and however we feel and whatever we think, however our humanistic individuality is to lead us, that that should be the dictation for our life. When in reality, we should be looking at culture through the lens of Scripture. Culture will change. Trends will change. People will change. The world is changing, but the Word of God stands forever. And this, He is our anchor in the midst of all that and what we must live by. That's not popular, but it's true. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus illustrated all that He's just said and the importance of living by His Word. Listen to what He shares in this illustration. He encourages us to pay attention to His words and to live by them. First of all, there are two men mentioned in the illustration that Jesus gives. Both men, both people built houses, built their lives. One built his house or life on the rock, the firm foundation. And if you know Scripture and if you know the Lord, you know that Jesus is the rock. He is the firm foundation. We build our houses, our lives on Him by faith in Him, faith in His Word and obedience. That faith in Him and His Word leads us to read and take in the Word, heed His Word, and to live in obedience to it. Now, a house and a life that's built on the rock of Jesus starts with salvation. We believe first and foremost over everything that Jesus lived and died and rose again. And in His work, He answered the need of humanity with the sin problem. And His work is completely sufficient. So if we believe in Him, we are therefore saved, forgiven, and freed. That's the beginning. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans chapter 10. So it starts with salvation. 
But salvation is the beginning. Salvation is the gateway. Salvation is the, the initial relationship starting with God. Faith does more than just believe in Jesus for salvation. Faith continues... We continue to live and build our lives by listening to and obeying God's Word. The writer of Hebrews said, let us go on to maturity. Let's not, let's not keep repeating and building the same things we already know. We don't have to keep relaying the foundation. Let's, we know the foundation is Jesus. We know what He's done for us. We know we're saved and freed and empowered because of Him. Now let's keep growing to become more like Jesus. Let's keep living in a way that exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go on to maturity. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, the Apostle Paul said, Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. If we say that our belief and confidence is in Jesus, then we listen to Him and we obey Him and His Word. We believe what He has said enough to live by. Listen to what Jesus said in our text this morning, verses 24 and 25. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Key phrase. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The other individual, the other man, the other life was built upon the sand. Here's the key part. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What's the difference? Both builders, both lives, heard the truth. Both individuals had an opportunity to hear the truth and to respond to the truth. It's just like in our world today. We're giving the opportunity for people to hear the truth, and they then have to make a choice. What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with the gospel? What am I going to do with truth? Both people had a chance to hear. One put those things into practice and truly followed Jesus. That's the illustration. And the other one did not. One's house stood, and the other one crashed. Now, Obviously, we understand that people who claim to have no connection to God, people who claim to be atheists or agnostic, we've got to be careful in categorizing the point being there are a lot of people who are just simply lost and don't know Jesus. But, but wherever you put them in that categorization, if you will, there, there are people that way. They're obviously not built on the rock. They're not built on the life of Jesus. They have no regard for the things of God. But what Jesus is teaching here is that there are people who claim to follow Jesus but they actually have no regard for listening to and obeying His Word. I get concerned in our culture today, and again, we're talking about America. This is where we live, okay? I get concerned in our culture today with the word Christian. Hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, the word Christian can be said by a lot of different people and mean a lot of different things. And so I'm concerned that we have grown in a place, in a way, in, in America to make the word Christian synonymous with American. Where a lot of people, they, they've interpreted that Christianity is part of, of America. Listen, 
No matter where your citizenship is on earth, you can be a believer and have citizenship in heaven and follow Jesus. Uh, you, you aren't just a Christian just because you're American. It just doesn't, that's not the case. But when you talk to people and you ask them different things about their lives, you'll hear a lot of people talk about being a Christian. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you get right down to it, there are people who claim to be Christian, but they... They're not engaged in a local community of believers. They're not reading and trying to live by the words of God. They're, they're, there's a lot of things about life that seem to go contra contrary to what Jesus teaches in His Word. Now, before you at me today or send me a hateful email, I understand that Scripture warns us, even at the beginning of Matthew chapter 7, Scripture warns us to be careful in how judgmental we are of other people. By the measure that you judge, you will be judged. Okay, so, so this idea that we should go around with the gift of criticism, which is not a gift at all, the idea that we should go around with the gift of pointing out everybody else's problems flies in the face of what Jesus said when he said, hey, before you go getting the speck out of your brother's eye, why don't you take the log out of your own first? A lot of people have a tendency to be able to spot the sins and the faults of other people quicker than they are to look in the mirror. When I was growing up, the pastor said, if you can't say amen, say oh me. But at the same time, a lot of people like to read the beginning of Matthew chapter 7 and then not read the rest. Because it talks about not being judgmental in that sense and not being overly critical and judgmental in that sense, but then it goes far enough to say a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And you should be able to spot the difference in the trees based on the fruit. So what does that mean? It means there should be evidence in our lives that we're following Jesus. So just because, and, and I want to be careful that you understand what I'm saying, just because you profess to be a Christian, I would rather than hear your profession see how you live. Rather than us just declaring that, and, and so all of that to say, I'm not even sure I'm comfortable using the word Christian anymore because it means so many different things to so many different people. What I'd rather be is I would like to declare in my life, I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and what I'd want even more than that, just a public profession, I want people to be able to look at my life and say, I can tell something's different, not because of him, but because of what's going on on the inside by the power of Jesus. Let that be the case. I'm not saying we shouldn't be public with our faith. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about Jesus. Exactly the opposite. You know me well enough to know that. If you've been a part of EPAC for any length of time, I believe we should go out and reach our world. I believe we should tell what God is doing. I believe we should tell about the truth of Jesus. But I pray that even if we hadn't had an opportunity to speak it, people can look at our lives and see the fruit of walking with Jesus. That we're people who don't just read the Word, and we're people who don't just say we're a Christian, but we're people who really are bearing good fruit. Now, notice, both houses built. The difference is one puts into practice the words of Jesus, the other one doesn't. One follows Jesus, the other one doesn't. Both houses, both lives, faced rains and winds and floods. They all faced storms. Now, there's two parts to this, and one part I'm going to share now, and one part in just a few moments, but... Ultimately, what you need to know is storms in life, the, the storms that we have in this life, the storms prove the strength of the foundation. They test our faith. It's too late to repair the foundation when the storm has already arrived. 
I, I think about, I couldn't help but think about uh, the story, and, and I'll try to do this quickly, the story in the book of Daniel about three boys we commonly call the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and that billy goat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anyway, uh, Daniel obviously with them. They're all taken captive from their living and following God. They're taken captive to a culture that doesn't honor God the way they did. They are immediately put on the spot because what that new culture that has taken them captive wants to do is indoctrinate them in their way of life. And they're immediately put at this crossroad moment of having to choose, are we going to eat foods that are offered to idols? Are we going to live by this culture? Or are we going to choose to live by God even if it inconveniences us, but we'll keep our commitment to him. Okay, so long story short, this is kind of where this idea of the Daniel fast comes from. If you've ever been a part of a Daniel fast, this is where they chose to eat, food, to eat foods for, I believe it's 10 days, and uh, the, the other people ate the foods offered to idols. At the end of the 10 days, they were evaluated they were to be better off than the others. They were actually doing better than the others. You fast forward a little bit, and you get to this spot in Daniel chapter 3, where three Hebrew boys are faced with another crossroad moment. Wouldn't be the only one in the book, but they're faced with another crossroads moment. And this crossroads moment was, will we honor God or will we bow down and worship this golden image, this golden statue that's been set up by the king? Uh, short version, uh, the, the music plays. They're told what they're supposed to do is to bow down and worship. The music plays. They're the three that are remaining standing when everybody else bows down. King gets word of it. Oh, I'm sure maybe they misheard it. Maybe they just didn't get it. We'll give them another shot. Ends up, long story short, they would not bow to the statue, and they knew in advance of not bowing to the statue that the punishment as a result would be to be thrown into a fiery furnace, which meant certain death. Let me make this as plainly as I know how. Your foundation in Jesus and your commitment to the Lord has to be strong before you ever stand in front of the fiery furnace. Because once you get in front of the fiery furnace, if your foundation isn't strong, if you're not following Jesus, if your commitment to God isn't strong, that's going to be enough to push you to want to say, you know what, I'll cave, I'll give in, I'll compromise. They didn't. And what I love about the story that maybe sometimes the narrative that's almost maybe missed because most people fast forward and they come out of the fire long story short and they don't even smell like smoke. But the part that is commitment is before they're thrown into the fiery furnace. By the way, it heated seven times hotter, made the people who threw them in to, to die. Before they were thrown into the fiery furnace, they said, Listen, O king, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If we get thrown into the fiery furnace, our God is able to deliver us. And if He doesn't, we will still give our lives for God. Storms are going to come, and it's too late to repair the foundation. It's too late to develop our commitment to God when those storms come. It's too late to shore up and board up and build up the house when the storms already arrived. The foundation is Christ, and we build by believing God and heeding His Word and taking Him at His Word and living by His Word in obedience, the storms prove where we're really at. The imagery of this, you can, you can see it, rains came down. This is not just a mist of rain that, with the annoying uh, intermittent wipers on your car that are too fast for the mist and too slow for the mist at the same time. This is torrential downpours that cause the streams to rise and the floodwaters to come. It's enough water to cause a problem because if you know anything about water, water has to go somewhere. 
and waters come and the floods come, you can almost get this visual between two mountain peaks of waters rushing down and wiping out everything that's in the valley below. And the winds blew and beat against the house. You can kind of imagine it's a storm that starts out light and just continually progressively worsens and takes out the house on the sand. How much can one house stand? I, I would say in some ways, let me, let me focus on this part first. When it comes to the storms of life, I would say this is a picture of the world we're living in today. There is a growing resistance or a growing storm, if you will, to living the ways of God. Um, I'll go a step further. There are some battles that we will face in this life that will be a direct result of being a Jesus follower. Whether you want to attach that to the evil and the enemy underneath so many of the things going on in our world, or whether you want to talk about some of the anti-Jesus things that are going to take place in our world that are already maybe starting to take place in our world. Storms are a fact of life, and sometimes it's just a matter that we're following Jesus. They're going to come, they're going to beat against our house of faith, and they're going to prove where our foundation really is. The house on the rock stood, the house on the sand collapsed and was swept away. So what are the lessons for us? Stay with me for a moment. Number one, you're building your life on something. It's either on Jesus and His Word, or it's on you and the world and your opinions and your feelings and what you think. One way or the other, you're building a home. It's just, are you building it on the rock or on the sand? Number two, you will face the storms of life. Storms prove the strength of the foundation. They test our faith. They've been a fact of life for as long as I've known it. If you live in Florida, you're going to deal with a hurricane. If you live in California, you're going to face an earthquake. If you live in Arkansas, you're going to have tornadoes to deal with. If you live in Minnesota, you've got a snowpocalypse. <laughs> storms are inevitable. Call them trials, call them tribulations, call them growing opposition to the truth of Jesus. But let me go one step further in what Jesus is teaching. Take all of Matthew 7 into context here. And what Jesus is all ultimately talking about when you talk about the sweeping floods is the judgment of God that is to come for everyone. Can your house, your life stand because it's on the foundation of Jesus when judgment comes. When you read throughout the Old Testament, and I won't give you all those references now, but when you go throughout the Old Testament, there were writers who often wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when they talked about rains and floods, it was in connection to the judgment of God. Now, I love talking about how God blesses us and takes care of us. Uh, and I know a lot of people love to hear it when we talk about God giving us things and doing these things. And nothing wrong with that. I, maybe we carry the material prosperity a little too far when we talk about the blessings of God. But at the same time, we know God can take care of us and bless us and keep us. And there's so many blessings that God brings that we don't have time enough to recount them all. But we also, if you're going to talk about the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel is sin is a problem. Jesus is the cure. But if you choose to reject the cure, there's judgment. The bad news is we all stood under God's judgment before we believed in Jesus. Now, it's right for us to talk about God being loving and merciful and compassionate and gracious. All of those things are absolutely true. If He wasn't those things, if that wasn't who He, who he is, He would have never sent Jesus to die on the cross for us to begin with. 
He is patient, desiring that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But at the same time, He is just, and He's holy, and He's righteous. And if He didn't judge sin, if He didn't uh, have the consequence for sin, He wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be who He is. So there is a judgment day. And the, the point of what Jesus is teaching here is... On Judgment Day, it's not going to be enough to just say, I'm a Christian. Jesus is going to be looking at our lives. Did we follow Him? Did we listen to His Word? Did we obey His Word? What ultimately Jesus is doing here, and I know this is a word we've lost track of some perhaps through the years, but what Jesus is ultimately doing here is calling people to repentance. Before there comes a day when the storms of life would sweep off the house built on the sand, make sure your life is built on Jesus. Make sure your life is built on the Word because if you're built on sand, when the judgment comes, you're going to be swept away. But if you're built on the rock, you will endure forever. So make sure to build your life on Jesus. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you make a decision to follow Jesus. You recognize that the bad news for humanity is that we are all born under this curse of sin. We all have this lean when we're born to rebel against God, to do things our own way, to be selfish in how we live. And we were, as a result of sin, fractured and broken in our relationship with God. It's as if God was one mountain peak and humanity was the other mountain peak. But God said, I love you so much. The good news, the best news you could ever hear was that God said, I love you so much. I'm going to send my son Jesus. And he, through the cross, is going to become the bridge between the imperfect humanity and the perfect God to make it possible for you to have relationship again, to be forgiven of your sin, to be freed from its power, and to be freed from the consequences like death. You have to deal with that at some point. You've got to deal with this life, but you've also got to deal with the afterlife. You've got to deal with eternity. You've got to deal with sin. You've got to determine, do I believe God, take Him at His word, and, and have I made a decision to follow Jesus? Many of you have. Maybe someone hasn't. As you follow Jesus, again, it's not just the moment of salvation, but it's ongoing. As you follow Jesus, then you also go on to pay attention to His words. I'll say this to you, and I hope that you'll pay attention to this, even if you've zoned out and are waiting to see if the Vikings have already kicked off. We are responsible for our own spiritual growth. So I want to challenge you today... I, I never in your life want to be the only place and only source that you feed on Jesus from. I want you to have a personal, that's why we call it a personal relationship with God. These are important moments. These are moments where we gather around the Word. These are moments that I don't take lightly, that I believe God can speak to us. And the thought that God would speak through me, it's, it's humbling. I'm grateful for these moments. But we have to be a people who do more than just hear somebody preach a message. We've got to take the Bible and open it and take it into our lives and live it. It's not just about these moments on Sunday and Wednesday. They're just a handful of moments in the grand scheme of your week. It's about us living and paying attention to Jesus and following Jesus every day of our lives. And I want to challenge you because you won't accidentally grow in Jesus. 
Your default's not going to grow to be spiritually mature. Your default's going to be to cater to yourself and to live by the world and the pleasures of the world is trying to promise you. You're going to have to be intentional to grow in the Lord, to build your life on Jesus. I love the word intentional, probably one of my favorite words in the English vocabulary because the word intentional starts with the letter I. If I want some things to happen in my life, there are certain things that are never going to happen unless I take a step. Which comes to the, to the next part of this. We need to daily, if we want to build our lives on Jesus and on His Word, we need to daily ask for the Holy Spirit's help. When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, He said there's going to be another comforter, another helper, another uh, advocate that's going to come. That word another is one of the same kind like Jesus. The word advocate, comforter, or helper is literally translates to mean one called alongside to help. What's my point? If we will take that step towards the Lord and say we want to grow, we want to live this out, we want to build our house on the rock, we want to stand firm through the storms of life and certainly be ready for eternity, we can ask for the Holy Spirit's help. And if we'll take the step towards the Lord, the Holy Spirit will come around, around, alongside of us and help us in this journey. We can live a life of obedience to God. You know, when I go back and study the early church, the first century church in the book of Acts, I can't help but notice that their allegiance to God was unmatched. I mean, whether they faced adversity, uh, whether they faced the possibility of death or imprisonment, they were all about pleasing God. And I pray at this point in our lives that that would be true of us. That, that we would have such a reverence for the Lord, such an awe of who He is and what He's done for us, that we will want to wholeheartedly live in Him, pay attention to Him, live in obedience to His Word, and over time, our house, our lives will continue to be built in the Lord, and we will stand through the storms as we focus on Jesus and His words. People in life who built and who are building or building on the sand will ignore the Word of God. They'll compromise the Word of God when the pressure's on. They'll crumble in the middle of impending storms. But those whose lives are built and are building on the rock of Jesus will cling to the Word of God, will live to obey the Word of God, and will ultimately stand firm till the end. I said earlier, I'm so proud of people because I believe it shows your desire. I'm so proud of people that have already engaged in our 90 days through the Gospels. I'm well aware that may be in addition to a reading plan you're already doing, or maybe you're just starting out engaging the Bible, and this is helping you to develop a, a consistency, to, to develop muscle memory, if you will, to, to engage in that habit of being with the Lord. But I'm proud and so thankful for people who are engaging in the Word because it shows you want to grow. You want to build your life on Jesus. You believe in Him, and you're wanting to go further than just profess your life as a Christian. You're wanting to live a life of truly following Jesus. People are searching for answers. I said it last week. People are searching for answers. People are looking for shortcuts. Give me the speed way. Give me the efficient way. Give me the best way to live life. But what we're needing, the greatest need for all people, is not a new discovery or development or invention, not a new article that's going to come out from whoever the greatest writer is in the world. Ultimately, Jesus has given us everything we need in His Word. He's given us everything we need. And the Holy Spirit will come alongside of us and help us to live out His 
Word. The question comes down to, we have access to the Word of God. Will we listen to it, pay attention to it, and live it out? Will we keep building? We don't always see or feel the progress in the moment. There's some days where you, you read the Scripture, you, you're, you're committed to it, but you don't walk away and feel like there's something supernatural necessarily happening in that moment. But it's almost like a snowball. Everybody here understands snowballs, right? It's kind of like a snowball. If you roll it downhill, it gains mass as it goes. It's the same is true when, when we talk about building our lives on Jesus. We may not always feel it in every individual moment, but as we walk with God and follow Jesus and pay attention to His words and grow by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll look up and what will happen is God will have been building us. So let's be committed to not just listen, to not just read, to not just... Mark the checkbox, but let's be committed to walking with Jesus and truly obeying what He's calling us to do. I'm going to ask you if you're in the room, would you stand with me? If you're online, I'd love for you to take a moment and respond with us as well. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I, I do that simply because I don't want you to be distracted by me or anything else that may be going on. I want you to be able to focus on what is God saying to you in these moments. So for starters, last week we committed ourselves to Bible engagement. We committed ourselves to being a people who prioritize reading and studying and even living by the Word of God. That living part's really where we're focused at today. Am I going to not just hear the words, but am I going to put these things into practice? Am I going to live it out in obedience? I pray today that you would, you would recommit yourself to intentional spiritual growth. That your heart, from your heart, you would desire to grow, to go forward in the Lord, to, to really see what God has in store for your life, to, to go on to maturity, to see the fruit of the Spirit be more and more evident in your life. Maybe today you are on that journey and you're recognizing today there are some areas in your life that maybe aren't in alignment with what Jesus teaches in His Word. Maybe you're recognizing that you're struggling in some areas and you really need the help of the Holy Spirit to, to live in a way that pleases the Lord, to, to live in a way that's obedient, that really follows Jesus. Maybe, and we're not going to nitpick or rate sins, but, but perhaps you recognize today that there's an area of your life where you're struggling in with gossip or sexual immorality or offense or unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment or anger. What comes out of you when you're squeezed tight, uh, when the pressure's on. Maybe you can recognize some things that you know Scripture speaks to. You maybe could even recite the verses, but you're recognizing there's some areas in your life that that you're struggling to live that out. You're struggling to, to be different in those areas. And today you're saying, Holy Spirit, help me. I want to do more than just read it and know it. I want to, I want to keep growing. I want, to, I want my life to continue to be built on you, Jesus. If, if you're here today and you say, or if you're online today and you want to jump in the comments as well, if, if you would say, I want to continue to grow. I want to truly follow Jesus, not just say it, not just confess it with my mouth, but, 
but really engaged with my heart. I want to I follow Jesus. I want to grow in Him. I want my house, my life to be built on the firm foundation of Jesus and His Word. If that's you, and it should be most of us, I would think, uh, but if that's you, would you just lift a hand with me today and say, that's me. I want to continue to follow Jesus. I want to grow in Him. Now, with hands raised, one or both, would you begin to pray with me? I'm going to lead us in my prayer, my own personal prayer, and I want you to pray in your own way. And maybe it's an area in your life where you know that you're struggling to follow what Jesus has said. You're struggling to live it out. Begin to say that to God. You don't have to come tell me that. Begin to talk to the Lord. Say, Lord, this is an area I'm recognizing. This is not an alignment with what your teaching says. This is not an alignment with your word. I want to be different. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. I want you to help me, Lord. As I'm studying and taking it in, I want to live it now. Father, it's my desire to never be a fake or a phony. Lord, I don't ever want to be a person who knows how to talk the talk without walking the walk. I don't ever want to be a person, Lord, who claims to follow you, Jesus, and yet when people could see my life or even when the Holy Spirit examines my life that there are things about me that I'm not paying attention somehow, that somehow I'm not listening to your word and somehow I'm not living it out. Lord, help me, grow me. Build me up, Lord, in you. I believe in you, Lord. I believe in your word. I believe that you are true and without error as your word is as well. And that if we will live by this, Lord, you will, you will build us. We will grow. We will be strengthened and empowered. We can stand in the midst of whatever comes in this life. And ultimately, Lord, we can stand without any fear of judgment. Because, Lord, there's no condemnation to those who are in you, Jesus. We can stand without no fear and concern of what is to come because we know we're in you and we're following you. Lord, let that be true of all of us. I pray, Lord, right now for anyone who who feels like, Lord, they're struggling in some ways that you teach differently. I just pray, God, the Holy Spirit will empower and equip more than ever before in our lives. May we continue to grow. May we take in your word. May we read it, absorb it, meditate it, meditate on it, memorize it. May we be able to recite it, whatever the case. But Lord, more than anything, we pray today, help us live it. Help us live it. More than just trying to live religious exercises and do outward actions. But Lord, with our hearts, may we be growing and transformed and empowered. Lord, may we live uh, a life of obedience to you because we love you with all that we are. Lord, even now. I believe, Lord, that you're able to do some incredible things. Even your word says you can do more than we can ever ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask today, there are some prayer partners in the room, people who will pray with you, people who will talk with you through what it means to follow Jesus. They'll talk with you maybe and pray with you about an area that you feel like needs growth and ways to encourage you in that. They're willing to pray with you over special needs, maybe needs that we haven't talked about, but you've got some real heavy burdens on your life, uh, some struggles that you're facing, some things that you're really concerned about. These are people who will pray with you and they will help you and encourage you. They're here to do that today. I want to pray over you and I want to trust that in these moments you will respond listen and obey whatever God is telling you in these moments. And may we be a people who build our lives on Christ and His Word. 
Father, I pray today that you would bless and keep this people. That you would make your face to shine upon them and to be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction and may you grant them your peace. May we continue to build our lives on you and your word. Hearing and practicing what you're saying to us. Go with us and keep us safe and well and whole. Meet every need that is represented in this local church community. Strengthen each one, guide each one in every way. I thank you for it, Jesus, in your name.